The Truth News Network. Things to trust more than politicians. Cable company internet speeds. Stereo equipment out of a white van. Gas station sushi. Drinking water from Lake Erie. A weather forecast from Al Gore. Things you can trust. Well, let's start with someone immersed in the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And to separate noise from reality, here's Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. Just listening to Pete Moss in that introduction, you know the greatest accomplishment that any individual can have in their lives, I mean from beginning to end, is when those that know them, those that work with them, live with them, they know these people. When I say know, I mean they see and know the good and the bad. They live with it. For these people, anybody to be known as somebody that tells the truth, that's a huge accomplishment. I was just thinking about that as Pete Moss introduced the show today. I want to be known as somebody that tells the truth. I don't want to ever have somebody point their finger at me and said, you lied to me. Why did you lie to me? And we're human. Every one of us have done it. But to be known as a person who's a liar. Let me give you an example. Representative Adam Schiff from the Los Angeles area. He's from, uh, I think he's he's maybe Pasadena. I'm not sure which which con- uh, congressional committee he represents. But he is known. He is and has been a very powerful member of the United States House of Representatives. And there are people that just throw it out all the time. He's he's a biological liar. He can't keep from lying. That's his nature. That's his DNA. I don't know if it is, but I don't want to be known like that. Do you? Here at Truth News Network, our quest, our number one quest, and anything else we do is ancillary to what we're doing every day and why we're doing it, to find the truth in our political system that we can point out and applaud and point you in that direction. But also at the same time, we're looking for the bad things that maybe have been misrepresented to us. And oh my gosh, don't we see those every day? There's not very much we can do about it individually as one person. But if you're a conservative, it's pretty easy to tell the difference in what someone says they're all about and what the facts are based upon not what they say, but what they do. And I'm going to point just one more time to this example of what I'm speaking about now. One reason Donald Trump won his presidency, his first run back in 2016, was Americans saw and trusted the fact that he told them the things that he would do if he was elected. And then they looked at his opponent in that election, which was Hillary Clinton. They looked at her life and compared what she had done in her life, not what she said she was going to do, and then put that up against what the American people saw in a pre-president Donald Trump in his life. He had major accomplishments like very few other people on the planet had. Yeah, he made some boo-boos, but he was in business. He was and is an entrepreneur. And he wanted the 
and ask for the trust of the American people that if you elect me, here's what I'm going to do. And they looked at his past and saw his accomplishments. They also saw his failures. And they put all of that on the scale. And it came up pretty predominantly pointing towards Donald Trump being the best fit. Sure enough, the American people elected him. We elected him. I voted for him. I voted for him twice. Somebody else said, well, I voted for him nine or ten times. (laughs) That's another story. We won't go there today. But for the first time in my lifetime, a campaigning presidential candidate that made promises that was elected did everything he said he would do if we elected him. Wow. That's why today, listen to what I'm about to tell you, a bunch of polls are taken every week. Pollsters out there that are hired by the Democrat Party, they're licking their chops. We've got to get bad news about Trump and what the people, the American people think because we don't want to put a candidate up against Donald Trump again in 2024. Reputable polls over the last 30 days show against any current person that could be, might be a challenger to Trump in 2024. He's double digits ahead. In one, he's more than 30 points ahead. Why is that? The American people aren't stupid. They look, they see, and they know somebody that tells the truth. Washington, D.C. was not prepared for that. They still aren't today. Donald Trump, just overall from top to bottom, was and is an enigma to the left. They don't know how to handle him. The only way they think they can handle him is to keep him from being back in the political system. They're doing everything they can do to keep him out. I don't care, folks, if it wasn't Donald Trump and it was another conservative that had similar credentials. I'm not talking about necessarily the financial piece. He's a commercial real estate tycoon. Far more successes than failures. And he proved he could lead the nation, do it effectively and for the good of the American people, not the political bureaucracy, not the swamp. And Americans fell in love with that. And in large part, tens of millions of Americans did their best to put him back in. And of course, the machine, they did everything they could do to keep him from getting elected. We won't go into the 2020 election today. You know my heart. You know where it is. And I'm pretty sure those of you listening in today, most of will say, I'm right there with you, Dan. So where are we going to go? Look at 2023. Where is the nation going to go? Where's conservative Americans? Where are we going to go? Are we just going to sit back and fold our arms? Well, we won the house back, so we're okay. We'll just tread water till 2024 and pray that we get a conservative in the White House. That ain't going to work, folks. If that's the position that you take, you're going to be part of a failing philosophy. We have got to step up to the table and not just talk some talk. We got to walk some walk, and it's time for us 
to go nose to nose with our political opponents and say enough is enough. We're going back to freedom, liberty, and justice. You can scream and holler and call Trump and conservatives that aren't Trumpsters. Call us all authoritarians, the one to be authoritarian. That's exactly what the Democrat Party has been doing and is doing today. What we're living in today is authoritarian rule. How do you define that? It's when somebody in charge, ultimately in charge, like oh, the President of the United States, he continually refuses to fulfill his obligation to the rule of law and the constitution of the country that he serves. Who does that sound like? Joe Biden. So I have no idea at this point who's going to run against Trump and who would win the primaries against Trump and who would um, end up ending uh, winning the Republican Party nomination. It may not be Donald Trump. I personally think my prize ticket would be Trump is president, DeSantis is vice president. Those two work together for four years. DeSantis learns the stuff in leadership that he he's accomplished most of it already in Florida. Nobody can successfully argue that's not true. But the other stuff, the federal stuff, the international stuff, I want DeSantis to be tootled in those areas for four years. And then we could have eight years of DeSantis. Think about that, a conservative U.S. government for 12 years back-to-back? Oh, my gosh, that would be a panacea. But I can tell you about me. I'm on this boat. I'm ready to go. I'm not a sit-back-and-do-nothing person. I'm on the forefront of it all. I think you probably are, too. I am born to be wild. Get your motor running. Head out on the highway. Looking for adventure. And whatever comes our way. Yeah, gotta go make it happen. Take the world in a loving place. Fire all of the guns and pumps and explode into space.
wish I wish you were all on camera and I had monitors set up in the studio that I could see you respond sometimes. I'd love to see. Let's be honest with me. Did you get up and wiggle just a little bit during that song? Be honest now. Oh, my gosh. Can you remember back in the 60s when that song came out, Steppenwolf, Born to be Wild? Oh, oh man, that just made us all, because back then we were in our teens, that just made us all like, yeah, they finally got something that I can, I can compare myself to and agree with. Great, great music out there. None of that elevator music. That's what uh, my daughters call smooth jazz that I love. Anyway. Thank you for joining us here today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Look, we have, for some reason, we have a large group of people in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, the same people that are listening every day. I mean, they're on at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. I have no idea who you are, but let me just say this. Thank you so much. We're really partners. We're only about 175 miles apart from each other. And any of you, when you're coming across I-20 to hit I-49 to go south to the New Orleans area or parts in the southeast, and you got a little time, let me know. Send me a text or an email and say, hey, and I'll meet you out on the interstate. There are places along I-20 and I-49 we can have a cup of coffee. I'm serious. I don't care. I mean, I looked at, and I'm, I haven't even tabulated the numbers, but it's probably several hundred people, any of you. Even if you all do it, I'll buy you coffee. Well, 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 do we have anything special to talk about today? Before we get to the meat of the stuff, let me tell you that the numbers came out this morning. Core prices increased 0.3% in December after growing 0.2% in November as overall prices rose by 6.5% this December compared to last December. That matches investor expectations as energy and gas prices went down, surprisingly. Overall prices declined by 0.1% on a monthly basis in December, while core prices, which that's the number that discounts food and energy prices, climbed 5.7% year-to-year matching investor expectation. It's reported by BLS in its monthly consumer price index after two back-to-back inflation readings that were lower than the expectations in October and November. Investors had hoped the Fed would slow its pace of aggressive interest rate hikes designed to blunt inflation market watch reported. That's probably not going to happen. Still, folks, still 7%. There's no earthly reason why you and I should be paying 7% more for those things that we have to have. I paid almost $5 for a loaf of bread, and that was at Walmart. I can't imagine. Food prices are dramatically high across the board. Gasoline, even though it's down a bit from where it was, it's still very expensive. Everything is. And you go to Kroger. We have one of those monster super Krogers that we shop at. Normally, they've got food stacked to the ceilings almost. It's everywhere. The shelves and some things are just totally bare. Let me give you an example. My drink of choice, it's kind of a tie between Diet Pepsi and iced tea. 
unsweetened peach tea mixed with unsweetened lemonade. I'm serious. They call that an Arnold Palmer when you put a little booze in that. Well, it tastes wonderful. So I use Crystal Light half for years. The little packets, it'll do a full gallon very good with mixing one little packet of lemonade and one little packet of peach tea. You can't find it. I even go online. If you can find it, the prices are through the roof. They come in the little cans. I forget how many of the uh, little packets are in each can. That's just one example. We love on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which I don't eat much of because I'm losing weight for my trip to Israel late February. Incidentally, more about the interview with Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu. We're going to be in Jerusalem for several days trying to coordinate with his office on timing. I will. I'm positive I will be able to interview him. And our show will be live every day from Israel. We're going several places, and I'll be able to tell you a little bit about the stuff going on there, but it's going to be cool to be in the Middle East talking to you live every day for 10 days. I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's not the big thing. The core prices, CPI, all that information is good news. It's important, but that's not the big gorilla in the room today. More, more Biden classified documents just happened to show up. Yesterday, they told us his aides have found at least one more batch of classified documents located at a location other than that Penn Biden Center office in D.C. that he used in the years after he was VP during the Obama administration. Somebody at NBC News got a hold of information, unnamed source. They first reported this development, now said that aides to Biden have been searching for even more documents that contain classified material in other locations that may have been used by the president. All this comes after a separate batch of those documents were recovered from his private office in the Penn Biden Center think tank in November. So while at that summit down in Mexico on Tuesday, president addressed the documents recovered from the Penn Biden Center. Here's what he said. Let me get rid of the easy one first. People know I take classified documents and classified information seriously. They did what they should have done, talking about the first batch, which his lawyers found. And they turned those, we're told, immediately over to the archives. Biden said, I was briefed about this discovery, and I was surprised to learn that there were any government records that were taken there to that office, he said. But I don't know what's in the documents. My lawyers have not suggested I ask what documents they were. Let me just say this on that. The lawyers are not the ones that are in the line of fire for the potential criminality for this happening. Don't you think the person that is responsible for the wrongdoing, which would be Joe Biden, by the way, even though you and I know he wasn't the one that boxed up the documents and took them there, crap in a business operation, crap in a political office or career, It goes to the top, always has, 
always will. So when he was asked yesterday in the press briefing, his lawyers, did they look into whether any other classified documents were taken to other locations? This White House said, we're not going to talk any further. And of course, then the news almost immediately comes about about this second finding. So what is happening with this? What's really going on? Come on, you got to be honest about this. There's more to this than we've been told. Timing, I got to be honest with you, it really sucks. But let me drop a few bombs on you this morning about that. Let's talk about timing. This pin. Biden Center deal. It lies at the heart of the latest Biden controversy. But in some ways, we still don't know some of this stuff. The White House revealed the first batch. On Wednesday, yesterday, news broke, there's another batch of classified documents when he was vice president at another location. And they won't tell us where that location was. Well, everybody's going crazy, screaming at Attorney General Merrick Garland to appoint a special counsel to investigate Biden's handling of these documents. The Biden Center, let's talk about that for a second. This is the Biden think tank. Now, University of Pennsylvania, the Penn Center, all that is is a storehouse for a lot of heavyweight political people and political stuff. Guess who's connected to that? Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden in those infamous emails now, in them, he, we learned, discussed the University of Pennsylvania UPenn Center in emails before the center was even launched just a couple of weeks after leaving the vice presidency under former President Barack Obama back in 2017, it was announced Biden became the Benjamin Franklin Presidential Practice Professor at the University of Pennsylvania, which is an honorary position, and the Penn-Biden Center for Diplomacy and Global Engagement. It was launched in D.C. the very next year, but... Discussions about the elder Biden's future involvement with Penn long before this happened, long before the end of the Obama presidency, according to emails from Hunter Biden's infamous laptop, which have been verified, by the way. Now, let's do a little history peel right here. On April 25th, exact date, April 25th, 2016, Creative Artist Agency, CAA, an agent named Craig Gehring sent an email to Hunter with, quote, confidential notes from our meeting in which Gehring listed apparent plans that were discussed for the vice president, Uncle Joe, after he leaves office. One of those plans, by the way, included wealth creation No further explanation, just those words, wealth creation, and another included an apparent reference to the Penn-Biden Center in D.C. with a possible job opportunity 
for Hunter. Quote, the Biden Institute of Foreign Relations at the University of Pennsylvania focus on foreign policy. In addition to the Institute at U of Penn, the school has an existing office in D.C. that will be expanded to house a D.C. office for Vice President Biden. Operates like the Clinton Global Initiative without the money raise. Hunter then confirmed Goering's notes, but he went further. He emphasized they needed to be, quote, very confidential because they were not set in stone. Yes, Hunter replied. In theory, that's the way I would like to see it shake out. But please keep this very confidential between us because nothing has been set in stone. There's still a lot of sensitivity around all of this, both internally and externally. He hasn't made any decisions, and this could be changed overnight. Just 10 days earlier, we learned, Hunter was scheduled to attend a meeting with his dad and then university president Amy Gutman, and this is from an email of Hunter's schedule from Rosemont Seneca Vice President Joan Mayer. It's not clear if the meeting at the White House actually took place, but it was scheduled almost exactly one year after Hunter and his then-wife Kathleen hosted Gutman, the president of the university, for a private dinner at Cafe Milano, a Georgetown institution in D.C. I've been there before. Now, this is according to an April 2015 email from an official at Penn that was written to Kathleen and Hunter. The guest list was comprised of academy members, significant donors, trustees, overseers, and Penn parents from UPenn. Another email read, Hunter's lawyer in the White House, now follow me all of this, this is really important stuff. Hunter's lawyer and the White House didn't respond when this rolled out yesterday, they wouldn't even respond to this. Joe Biden left the vice presidency on January 20th, 2017. He was hired as a professor at Penn less than four weeks later, where he was paid a total of $776,527 in 2017 and 2018, which was nearly double what full-time Penn professors made during the same time. Now, this information comes from official UPenn documents. The Philadelphia Magazine reported at the time that the former VP's professorship was really more of speaking residency and that he's been on campus so infrequently that it becomes news when he actually is there, which was a total of six times. The Penn-Biden Center, it, it opened and they had their official opening in February of the next year, 2018. Joe signaled then that he had spoken with Gutman when he was still vice president about coming a professor and being able to bring his own team with him to University of Pennsylvania. President Gutman, when you came to me before the Obama administration was up and asked me whether I would consider to be a professor at Penn, the first thought I had was that, it sounded like an intriguing idea. 
But it became even more intriguing after the outcome of the 2016 election when you said I could bring along with me some serious, serious people. Now that is a speech by Biden. That's a quote from him during an opening ceremony in February of 2018. Serious staff people, and much more than staff, and they start with Tony Blinken, Steve Ricchetti, and others, so thank you for allowing me to bring some really, really bright people with me. In 2019, Biden took an unpaid leave of absence from Penn after he announced he was going to run for president. As president, listen to this, it gets a little muddy here, Biden selected guess who? Penn President Gutman to be the U.S. Ambassador to Germany. David Cohen, the former chairman of Penn's Board of Trustees, who was also at the Penn Biden Center's opening, was tapped by the president as the U.S. Ambassador to Canada. On Monday evening, the White House revealed that classified documents dating back to Biden's time as vice president were discovered in November, six days before the November election. Didn't tell us before the election, did they? That happens a lot in the Biden world. The president's personal attorneys then handed these documents over to the National Archives and Records Administration. Yesterday, it was confirmed that aides to Biden discovered at least one more batch of documents, classified, from his time as VP in Biden's possession. The news has prompted, I mean, big-time screams and hollering for Attorney General Garland to appoint a special counsel to investigate Biden's handling of those documents. So during the North American Leaders Summit down in Mexico uh, Tuesday night, I think it was Tuesday night, Biden said he was surprised to learn classified documents had been found at the Penn Biden Center. They did what they should have done. They immediately called the National You know, they turned them all over or whatever. The Penn Biden Center's mission statement says it was founded on the principle that a democratic, open, secure, tolerant, and interconnected world benefits all Americans and that it works to continue Biden's fight, quote, to secure American global leadership by defending and advancing a liberal international order, a liberal international order. Previously, it was reported that at least 10 senior Biden administration officials have been hired to their current or former positions after some stints at the Penn Biden Center. That includes Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Under Secretary of Defense for Policy Colin Cowell, and White House Counselor Stephen Ricchetti. Blinken and Ricchetti both served as managing directors while Kahl was a strategic consultant at the center. Since the Penn Biden Center opened, the University of Pennsylvania has come under a microscope, not because of what we're talking about today, but it came up previously. What is that scrutiny about? Well, it's kind of questionable there's been an influx of foreign donations, particularly from, no, I don't know, China. Penn took in roughly $77 million in gifts and contracts from China between 2014 and 2020. Further, 
The Washington Free Beacon noted foreign donations to UPenn tripled in the two years after the center's opening with almost all of that money, $56 million coming from China. Let me ask you this. Why would China, anybody in China, which means the Chinese Communist Party, what the heck would they be shipping $56 million to the University of Pennsylvania in the United States? Why would they do that? Penn struggled in addition to try to explain another donation, $3 million from back in 2019 from a Hong Kong shell company that's tied to, you're going to love this, a national Chinese businessman. Uh-oh, here we go. A university spokesperson said the donation came from Chinese national Jin Zhu. But the Free Beacon reported it couldn't identify a connection between Jin and Nice Famous Corporation Limited where the gift originated. The university has also received at least $13 million in gifts from China between March of 2020 and June of 22, according to a review of the Department of Education's Foreign Gift Reporting Database. That's public information. Additionally, UPenn reported $2.8 million in China contracts between July 2020 and January 2022. The Penn Biden Center has never solicited or received any gifts from any Chinese or other foreign entity. We're told, in fact, the university has never solicited any gifts for the Penn Center. That's from Penn's Vice President of Communications, Stephen McCarthy. McCarthy said that since its inception, two American donors provided three unsolicited gifts, totaling $1,100 for the Biden Center and that 100% of the center's budget is from university funds. Penn is fully compliant with federal law regarding the reporting of foreign gifts and contracts, yada, 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 yada. Does all of this sound interesting? Let me throw another little bomb out there. You know, Attorney General Merrick Garland named a special counsel to investigate Donald Trump and all of the treasure trove of documents where we, we we knew they were there, classified. Trump took them illegally, all that kind of stuff. But he hadn't appointed any special counsel to look into Joe Biden yet. Yet. But he appointed the one against Trump two weeks after Biden's classified briefings and documents were discovered at the Penn Biden Center. At the same time, he appointed a special counsel to go after Donald Trump. Isn't that interesting? Oh, by the way, it was they announced it was two days before the midterm election. If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. We're not done yet with this. I've got more. This is amazing. It's amazing for a lot of reasons. One thing before we go to break, when, and, and when we come back, I'm going to give you some more stuff, so don't go away. But One thing that it just strikes me 
that I can't get away from is this stuff continues to happen. And it's happening with impunity. And it seems like it's kind of a replay of the stuff we saw in the Hillary Clinton campaign and the the aftermath, all the evil that was going on. You know that secret server? You know, having that server, nobody in government knew it was there. Did you know that President Obama had a Gmail account? Nobody knew that until all of it came up after Hillary was bumped out of the, the job for president. All of this came up. Our president had a Gmail account, and he and Hillary... They communicated emails and texts back and forth on that unsecure server. And then we find out later that every transmission either received or sent from Hillary's secret server, it was being monitored by a foreign foe, every one of them. What happened because of all of that? Not a darn thing. But I'm talking about not the act, but I'm talking about the obvious attitude that goes along with the thinking that, hey, doing these things, breaking the law, it's no big deal. Nobody can hold me accountable. That kind of smells like Hillary, kind of smells like former President Barack Obama, and it smells just like our current president. Ah, They do it with impunity because they're never going to be held accountable. I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish when I complete my journey I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine. Leave behind a better world. Oh, Egg McMuffin. Good call, babe. Fresh cracked egg. With oh, all the fruit in here. Mmm. We've got to try this, honey. Oh, you're not my honey. It's so good. <laughs> The simple joy of getting lost in a great breakfast. It's actually how we met. (laughs) We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. The Truth and Dan Newman goes together like beans and rice, brats and kraut, you and the future. TNN, The Truth News Network.
don't know about you, but I'm in for the beans and rice thing. I'm not a brats sauerkraut. I'm, I, I just don't. I love cabbage, but I like raw cabbage, cabbage salad. I don't like it cooked. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Well, we know about all these revelations about these classified documents. Long before they were found, though, the Penn Biden Center was the focus of a watchdog complaint. Why? Because its parent university had received a bunch of money, at least $55 million. But what we didn't tell you earlier when we reported that money from China is it happened in the time period, right at the same time, when Biden joined the group. This raised the specter of Chinese donors having helped fund the nearly $1 million in personal pay that Biden got from the think tank. It was actually right at $780,000. We got to get it right. I guess $780,000 is nearly a million anyway. This center was announced in 2017, opened a year later, It was set up that same year that Hunter was creating a joint venture with those Chinese officials. We've told you about this company, CEFC. It was China's largest natural gas company. Think about that. Hunter Biden, no no experience whatsoever in oil and gas, other than sitting on the board of Burisma Holdings in Ukraine. It all fits together, folks. And the deal that they were creating was to pursue natural gas deals here in the United States, which was supposed to be to benefit Russian, excuse me, Chinese, communist, China. In the emails, the Hunter emails, it shows he even offered his dad a set of keys to the office for this new venture. So in the middle of all of this, warning signs went up. It drew a bunch of scrutiny from congressional investigators. In addition to all the stuff we just told you about, a forgivable loan came to the Biden family syndicate. I I can't even remember the entity it went to, but it was a forgivable loan. What in the heck is the purpose of for a forgivable loan. And it came from the Chinese partners of Hunter. That's according to emails on the Hunter laptop. By 2017, Biden family dealings with China were way more extensive than just the CEFC Corporation, which, by the way, mysteriously went funk, just went away. Hunter took that trip, an infamous trip aboard Air Force Two, with his daddy to China in December of 2013, and it went, although it was uh, an official trip, it went to create an investment fund with Chinese officials. In 2015, he helped facilitate the sale of an American firm called Hennings that produced sensitive U.S. military jet parts. That's what we need. We need a partner company in China for anything, right? And oh, by the way, that little investment fund with Chinese officials, it wasn't very big. It was only $1.5 billion going into that company. 
so that Hunter Biden could invest it for the people of China. (laughs) The web of all these Chinese deals and contacts, one of Hunter Biden's Chinese associates, Patrick Ho, he eventually got busted and convicted. All of this has a bunch in the Republican Party now believing Chinese monetary contribution to Penn were no accident. It may even be possible that China could have accessed sensitive information from the Bidens as a result. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. We give you all this money. You give us information. You give us opening uh, operations. Yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm talking about. House Oversight Committee James Comer yesterday, he raised that very issue in a letter to the White House. Quote, President Biden and his son Hunter also plan to share an office with an individual affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party, which raises questions about who else had access to these very sensitive documents because of Biden's totally irresponsible actions, Comer wrote in the letter. Any amount of money from China should be examined closely by every branch of the government. The fact that this is in the tens of millions makes it even more alarming. I find it's hard to believe the DOJ and FBI wouldn't know about this amount of money and who's connected to it. Follow the money. This all came as a very inconvenient time for Democrats as the House voted overwhelmingly on Tuesday to establish that subcommittee to investigate U.S.-China strategic competition. The final tally was 365 to 65. In other words, there were a bunch of Democrats that went in for this. New Speaker Kevin McCarthy was credited with spearheading this effort to massage the wording of the proposal so it would be broad enough to garner broad bipartisan support. I've heard my colleagues on both sides say the threat posed by China is serious. Speaker McCarthy talking here. I fully agree. This is an issue that transcends political parties and creating the Select Committee on China is our best avenue to address it. Biden still claims, I know nothing. I know nothing. He says he doesn't know anything about it. Didn't know, didn't know, had no idea. James Comer, you need to remember that name. He is the current brand new oversight committee chairman in the House. He's from Kentucky. And uh, he's the one that wrote that letter. Here's what he asked for specifically. Listen to this. He's already asking specifically one all documents retrieved from President Biden's personal office at the Penn Biden Center. Two, all internal documents, communications regarding the documents retrieved from Biden's personal office at the Penn Ben Center. Three, a list of everybody who had access to Biden's personal office at the Penn Biden Center. Four, all documents and communications related to the handling of the classified material by Biden's personal lawyers, including but not limited to their security clearance status. Five, all documents and communications between or among the White House and the Department of Justice or the National Archives and Records Administration regarding the documents retrieved from Biden's personal office at the Penn Center. 
Comer's not the only member of Congress that's a committee chair that's requesting info about this mishandling of classified information. Senator, ooh, we got a senator involved now, Mark Warner of Virginia. He's a Democrat. He's the chair of the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. He demanded a briefing from Joe Biden's Justice Department. The requested briefing flies in the face of the media's decision to downplay this very obvious national security breach. Biden stashed the documents at Penn Center, which reportedly received at at least $54 million in anonymous Chinese donations between 24 and 2019. A lot of folks are concerned the Chinese Communist Party could have donated money. Quid pro quo get access to Biden's classified trove of documents. UPenn has denied that the Penn Biden Center received any money from anonymous Chinese donors, yet some experts believe it has. According to the Washington Free Beacon, we told you this, some of the funds were given by Shanghai real estate developer Zhu Jingqing, which reported has no immediate connection to the university, none whatsoever. Well, 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 it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And Comer asked for one more thing, by the way, before we move on. It was reported back in April, more than 150 of the Biden family business bank transactions were flagged here in the United States, U.S. banks, they were flagged. Why? They were suspicious. Those flag reports were sent over to Yellen, Janet Yellen, Secretary of Treasury, for further review to find out if the Biden family was engaged in any wrongdoing. Treasury has a long-standing practice of disclosing these reports to Congress. But the Biden administration, they blocked that reporting to Congress on all of these transactions, which raises some questions about a possible effort to hide the Biden family syndicate's suspicious business dealings. For years, years, wire transfers have been the tool of choice for money launderers to mitigate the risk of the financial institutions, suspicious wire transfers over 10 grand are flagged for review. Everybody, everyone. Wire transactions involving more than 10 grand are also to be reported to the IRS. Internal wire payments like those to James and Hunter are monitored by the Office of Foreign Assets Control to make sure that money is not part of corrupt business schemes that involve U.S. and international entities. On Wednesday, yesterday, Comer wrote a letter to Yellen asking for the relevant flagged reports. We will also examine and make recommendations, his letter said, regarding federal laws and regulations to make sure the financial institutions have the proper internal controls and compliance programs to alert feds, federal agencies, of potential money laundering. Accordingly, we make this renewed request for certain records and information in Treasury's custody. I wonder where Janet Yellen sits in all of this. I wonder what her thinking is. 
I wonder what she thinks about the Hunter debacle, the emails, and of course what she thinks about all of these classified documents that just mysteriously turn up and they're in possession uh, of Joe Biden and who else? We just don't know. We don't have any idea. And I think the Biden family syndicate that still exists, I think it's going to prove a lot of things. And the worst thing that could have happened to them would be not that the House is now in the control, well, not the total control, but the majority control by the Republicans. What would have happened if Democrats had picked up a couple of seats in the Senate? Oh, my gosh. It would be all-out war. Now, let's switch topics for a minute. Let's go down to the southern border. Let's talk about the Lord of what happens at the southern border. Who would that be? Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He's the guy that is almost personally every day in this administration opened up the gates to the southern border to anybody and everybody that wants to come in. He's made it very easy for the drug traffickers, very easy for the human smugglers to get into the United States, bringing with them 2 million illegal aliens and a treasure trove of billions of dollars of illegal drugs. Alejandro Mayorkas. Finally, Mayorkas's head is on the chopping block. Was besides the impeachment of Mayorkas, what are the first steps you and your fellow Republicans are going to do in Congress to secure our southern border? Well, there are a lot of things we can do. I think some of the first steps are, of course, to request information from the department so that we can go and hold accountable uh, the crazy lawless dereliction of duty from the from the secretary. We can also pass legislation uh, that supports the financial aid packages to countries in Central America and actually has them implement the MPP. They can actually, you know, start putting people back into the countries that that people actually come from. So there's a lot of things that we can do, uh, and we're going to do it. Well, Congressman Pat Fallon uh, made big-time news yesterday by filing these articles of impeachment against Alejandro Mayorkas. It's something that a lot of Republicans do want to see, but realistically, is that going anywhere? So what we've got to do is get to the bottom of what's happened. You know, my committee is not the jurisdiction for impeachment. That's the Judiciary Committee. My job will be to go get the details. So we, we're sending letters over to the department. So we'll, we'll subpoena emails, all that kind of stuff, and do the due diligence. And then we're going to have Secretary Mayorkas come in, and we're going to look at the laws that haven't been enforced. We're going to inform the American people about the dollars that have been wasted uh, with NGO contracts and things like that. So a lot of a lot of things we're going to be digging into. And then it's, if it looks like he needs to be impeached, we'll hand that off to the Judiciary Committee. Well, we should have started off with a big congratulations to you on your upcoming role as chairman of the Homeland Security Committee. And you really have your work cut out for you, especially when it does come to the border. 96 people on the terror watch list were caught trying to cross into the country, which begs the question, through those porous areas where there is no border fencing, how many people that want to do the American people harm to get through? So um, how do you address that issue? 
So there's a number of different ways, right? So we need new technology. We need to support our CBP folks. They they, they are having a difficult time retaining uh, personnel and also uh, hiring new personnel. And, and, and something as simple as a polygraph for a former veteran who, who has to go through this, this very arduous process to get hired. And, you know, if we've got a veteran who had a successful military career, why don't we just put them in CBP? But it's it's simple things like that that can and very quickly make a difference at the southern border. Interesting. But we got to take yeah we got to take control back from the drug cartels. This president has basically given control to the drug cartels with the massive waves of people coming across at the crossing sites. They thin the line in the rural areas. Fentanyl pours in. We we can address that by our authorizing legislation that demands that the you know the the DHS folks do it the way it's supposed to be done. Point blank, Congressman, you are now chair of the House Homeland Security Committee. Will our homeland be more secure than it was the past two years? 100%. 100%. Going to be 100% more secure than before. One person has got to be eliminated before that could happen. Well, one person besides the president. That would be the current Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas. And yes, articles of impeachment have been filed against Alejandro Mayorkas. We're watching that, and we will see. During that that conversation there, I got a, uh, a text from Taylor Halsey, who is Congressman Mike Johnson's spokesperson. Mike's doing his best to be with us tomorrow on the show. I told Taylor, can you find out and confirm that in the next hour because our show ends we want to let everybody, all of you that are listening live, if he's going to be here tomorrow or the next day. So um, remind me if it if I don't tell you about that, confirm it or tell you when Congressman's coming live. It'll be, well, what's today? Thursday. It'll have to be tomorrow if it's going to be this week, right? Yeah, I'd rather get him here while some of this stuff I don't want to, I don't know if I want to talk to him when he comes, but he only has limited time. We're told 10 minutes, but he always spends 20 to 30 minutes with us. Um, When he comes, I want to get the right stuff, the right stuff. I don't know that I want to talk about the dirty process, you know, the confirmation process of Kevin McCarthy as the House Speaker. may mention that for a minute, but I want to know what the heck they're going to do. They've got a bunch, they being the uh, Republicans in the House, they got a bunch of stuff already started. And I think that's wonderful. Uh, but I'm going to get him to be a little more specific about it. We have much more today. I mean, much more. There is so much happening around the nation that you and I haven't even known about. It almost seems like the media now that the House has become Republican-controlled, they're a little uh, more reluctant to hang on to stuff. They're telling us about it a lot sooner than they used to. That's interesting. More next. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, you can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whir. And creme brulee, cremey. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. 
And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. Sugar Bites. Protect your kids. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. You know, when this controversy came up about Kevin McCarthy being the House Speaker, Kevin not being the House Speaker, those those guys that said we'll never vote for him, I got to be honest with you. I'm totally honest when I say what I'm about to say. I was not a Kevin McCarthy fan. I never have been. I've mentioned it from time to time on the air when he was the minority leader under Nancy Pelosi's rule in the House. It just seemed to me that he was too political about everything. And that bothered me a lot. I I despise the political process, but it's the only one we have. Our forefathers... They put it in motion, but all of our forefathers, especially those that pin the Constitution, they made it very clear. We hate politics. Governing should be separate from politics, but we all know that didn't ever happen, and it certainly is not the case today. I mean, politics rules the world. We just have to find a way to crawl into it and try to keep it from devouring us while we're doing what we've got to do to run our nation. Back to McCarthy. After I heard all of the concessions that he made as speaker, that really made it very clear there were a bunch of other people that had the same concerns about Kevin McCarthy as I did. Never talked to any of them. And very few people would come out and say anything negative. You know what I mean? McCarthy, he wasn't in a position where he had control to unilaterally initiate anything in the House. After all, he was the minority leader. He led the Republican Party during the Nancy Pelosi period as House Speaker. She was the boss. And I understand he he made a lot of deals. And when you're in the minority, when it comes time to make deals, you don't have a lot to push with to get your way. 
to get the things that you want just because you've got the power to do it unilaterally. He didn't have that. But I think I got a little more comfortable when I heard about the concessions that he made so that people would vote for him to be speaker. And subsequently, I like the initiatives that have been already launched. You've heard about some of them today out of the Oversight Committee with Representative Comer out of Kentucky. I like that. And as long as we keep going in that direction, I guess I'm fine with Kevin. But i got to be honest, with me, the book's still out. One of the things that he has dived into I really, really like, and that's regarding three people that I think should not be in the House of Representatives that should not be in government. He said he is removing Swalwell, Schiff, and Ilhan Omar from their committees that they've served on in the House of Representatives. Ilhan Omar, Eric Swalwell, and Adam Schiff. They're gone. Now, whether you like them or not, all three of them have been eyesores to the Democrat Party, eyesores to America. They've been involved in very sketchy, in many cases, illegal things while they served in Congress. They None of the three have been held accountable for any of their wrongdoing. Dave Rubin yesterday weighed in on this. Eric Swalwell, who is a congressman from California, uh, he's not happy about it. So he tweeted this. He said, breaking. Uh, Representative Byron Donalds admits on the readout that Speaker McCarthy is kicking me, Adam Schiff, and Ilhan off our communities purely out of vengeance. Now, that's not exactly what he said. He didn't say it was out of vengeance. He was saying, if you watch a full extended clip, well, first off, you guys did it. So, okay, that could be a little vengeance related. You guys did it. Now we're going to do it. But that there are plenty of reasons to do it. He went into the reasons about Ilhan Omar. He didn't get a chance to do more on Schiff, who lied about everything related to impeachments. And could it be that Swalwell has done something? Could it be that Swalwell maybe did something a couple years ago that would be worthy of getting kicked off the Intelligence Committee? And could it be that everyone knows this and that there was this uh, little known, I don't know, some would say quite dapper uh, online video show host who talked to Kevin McCarthy about that thing about two years ago? Didn't Swalwell sleep with a Chinese spy or something? I mean, yes. (laughs) Why? Okay, that's a good question. What we know publicly, a Chinese spy And also remember, Senator Feinstein, we found out later, the driver of more than 10 years was a Chinese spy in Silicon Valley. They've been in pictures together. This woman, a Chinese spy, creates a relationship with Swalwell when he's in the city council. He runs for Congress. She helps. She puts interns in his office. Do you know how difficult it is to get on the Intel Committee? When Swalwell was put on the Intel Committee, they were in the minority, so they had fewer seats. He was a sophomore getting put on the Intel Committee. He's kept on the Intel Committee. Now you know this. You put him on, you did not know. Now you know as a leader. Okay, if Swalwell was in the private sector, he could not get a security clearance because he had a relationship with a spy. But only in America can he be given the Intel Committee where he knows all the secrets. But there's 200 other Democrats who are qualified to be on that slot, and she keeps appointing. What I know with what the FBI told me, he should never be on Intel. And Pelosi reappointed him to Intel. 
I don't understand this. Did you have you said this to her? Yes. But this is worse. I brought a motion to the floor to remove him from Intel, put another Democrat on. The Democrats all defended. So you really got to understand the last part there is key. When the Republicans were not in charge, McCarthy was trying to get rid of Swalwell. As he just said there, he is now the Speaker of the House, okay? So that clip, if, if we had a decent mainstream media, and obviously we do not, that clip would be on CNN and across every newspaper today. And what they would be doing either is if Kevin McCarthy lied, if, he, if everything he just said there is a lie and what he's claiming the FBI told him and all of that stuff and that, that Fang Fang, the, the spy, didn't staff uh, Swalwell's office and all that stuff, if it's all a lie, then why wouldn't you air that to destroy Kevin McCarthy, right? You'd, you'd want that clip out there. My God, Kevin McCarthy is lying about what the FBI told him and claiming that a Democrat uh, congressman has been sleeping with a Chinese spy or at least working with the Chinese spy at some level but they're not putting that on there. And that tells you that it's true, right? That is it right there. So, okay, you got it. So was this, was this as Swalwell said, was this purely retribution or was it because Ilhan Omar is a noted anti-Semite? Adam Schiff is the biggest liar in all of Congress with all the <clears throat> fake impeachments in Russia, Russia, Russia. And you were banging a Chinese spy. So this wasn't about vengeance. I... Uh... I don't know that I agree with Dave about that. This wasn't about vengeance. I think, especially in politics, payback is hell. Payback is hell. Listen, the Democrats in Congress, the ones that were in leadership, who am I? I'm talking about uh, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. We talk about Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwells. These were people that were on very weighty committees, had power, had power in the political party. They unified, as Democrats always do, and they do so much better than do Republicans, and they just ripped through the Donald Trump administration, slashing and burning at every opportunity, demeaning everybody who disagreed with them. They epitomized the thing that I've told you for years here regarding the difference between everyday Republicans and everyday Democrats. If you talk to a Republican about anything specific in government, in American lives, it doesn't matter what it is. If you talk about to a Republican their opinion on any of these matters and you're a Democrat and you're talking to them, what's going to happen? Think about that for a second. Let's flip the coin. What if you're a Republican talking to a Democrat and the Democrat says stuff that you disagree with? What's the difference in reaction? Well, in either opposite action, a Republican's trying to get what the Democrat thinks and the other side is Democrats are trying to get what the Republican thinks. When the Republican finds out that what the Democrat thinks about that issue is way different from what you think, you're going to try to convince that Democrat, based upon the facts that you give in your opinion, to come over to your way of thinking on that subject. And if you can't do it, it's like, oh, well, I wish you best, and you walk away. Put the shoe on the other foot. 
The Democrat's trying to find out what the Republican thinks. The Republican finally tells the Democrat, here's what I think. If the Democrat hears that and it's different from what he believes or she believes, what do they do? They go post them. They'll scream and holler many times. There'll even be physical activity that occurs. And I, it's very rare. But And I'm just using these as examples to show the difference between everyday Democrats and Republicans. Republicans respect the First Amendment. Difference of opinion is fine. We all have the freedom of thought, the freedom of ideas, the freedom to speak our minds. And when anybody exercises those rights, we're supposed to honor the rights. Now, that doesn't mean we have to agree with anything someone tells us that's different from what we believe. That's not what it's about. But it is about giving everybody an equal right to share their opinions without any retribution for sharing their opinions. Now, if somebody has an opinion that they are about to go grab a gun they've got stashed in their car and blow somebody's head off, yeah, the government should be notified and step in, and then that's not about the First Amendment. That's about committing a crime. And if they're successful, (laughs) premeditated murder. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how this clash ever began. When I was a young kid, when JFK was elected, I remember that election. We lived in South Louisiana, which is a very Catholic part of the country. And JFK, John F. Kennedy, was a Catholic. People in South Louisiana where I live, they were just all in for John F. Kennedy. We, my parents, at that time I was nothing. I didn't even think about politics. My parents were hardcore conservatives, and they voted for Richard Nixon, his opponent, JFK's opponent, in the 1960 election. And so JFK was elected. He began to govern the nation based upon the democratic ideals that were at the forefront of everything going on in the country at that time. Do you know if JFK today was alive? He would be further right than almost any Republican you know. Think about that. He was for building the military. He was for cutting taxes. You think of anything, any kind of policy, JFK was almost always very conservative. That's not what I was talking about. What I'm talking about is we as people, we need to understand that everybody doesn't think like us. Everybody doesn't. Everybody's not going to. It doesn't matter what you think they should think. And all we can do is very carefully and respectfully share our opinions on any issue with those of a different uh, opinion, perspective. That's all we can do. And if they react the wrong way, there's nothing we can do about it. Listen to this. Jesus put it succinctly when he was talking to his uh, disciples. If you go into a a city, a town at that time, a village, and they refuse to hear your opinion, even hear it, yet alone talk about it with you, and you just can't get them to come over and listen, 
Jesus told them, shake the dust off your sandals. In other words, turn around, leave the town city, shake the dust of that town off your sandals, and don't worry about it. Don't ever go back. Sometimes fights or discussions about differences are worth fighting for. Often they're not. Pick your battles. Pick your battles. Well, we had another debacle over the last couple of days that wasn't necessarily Joe Biden related. The airline stuff that happened. I don't think the issues there, I don't think the rock waves that we talked about yesterday, I don't think they've ended. Looks like maybe uh, on the most part it has, but when stuff like this happens, It seems like different things show up that kind of show us some things going on behind the scenes that we didn't know about, but we thought maybe there was something going on there. The FAA, they're the ones that are in charge of all of this stuff, Federal Aviation Administration. They've been hard at it. They got $80 billion from the federal government from the infrastructure deal to be able to do all the things that need to be doing, the update of their infrastructure, on and on and on and on. On Wednesday, yesterday, the FAA ordered the first nationwide ground stop since September 11th of 2001. That's 9-11. And they did this after computer system failed overnight. And that system, as you know, grounded thousands of flights showing the country's air traffic into pure chaos. That was the second crisis in as many months. A winter storm snarled their old travel during the holiday season. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, he blamed Southwest Airlines, whose personnel management system caused company-wide cancellations, and that cancellations accounted for much of the nationwide disruption. But the FAA's own systems are solely within the Secretary's purview. And just the latest in many transportation failures on his watch. Yet, the FAA has not been completely passive. They've just been concentrating on a few other things, like uh, using more gender-neutral and inclusive language to describe aviation and the aerospace community. What does this mean, Dan? The the, the FAA has promoted LGBTQI plus visibility with the positive, the plus sign, representing any residual sexual or gender identities not covered by lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex. I never heard the word intersex until today. In keeping with Biden's focus and his minions on equity as opposed to the outdated equality, the FAA has also focused on creating a more inclusive community of drone operators, a safe space for Hispanic employees. And her story, not history, Herstory for women. 
In our latest episode of the Air Up There podcast, we're talking about the Drone Advisory Committee's work to create a more inclusive aviation community. Listen to the full episode, and they give the address to go listen to it. In another tweet, innovation thrives when we're inclusive. Embracing people's backgrounds, differences, and viewpoints makes us stronger and safer. We continue to celebrate hashtag HHM with FAA employees who reflect on the importance of creating a safe space for all voices to be heard. Here's another one. This is all stuff from the FAA, from the FAA news site. Words matter. Join us on March 23rd at 2 p.m. for a conversation with a dynamic group of women as they share how changing the words we use can create a more inclusive aerospace community. Watch here at, and they give you the website to go to. And the FAA website finally says this, the mission of the FAA is to provide the safest, most efficient aerospace system in the world. Yet we've had two massive shutdowns in the last 60 days under the watch of Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who happens to be gay. Oh, and by the way, he got $80 billion out of the infrastructure deal to make things better at the FAA. He said yesterday on MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell reports, he can't rule out that the FAA safety alert system computer outage that caused those thousands of flight delays Wednesday morning. He can't rule out that it was a result of domestic or foreign attack. Andrea said, We've seen domestic attacks on other aspects of our critical infrastructure, our power substations. Are we absolutely positive this was not the result of any nefarious activity, either domestic or foreign? Secretary said, Well, we're not prepared to rule that out. There hasn't been any indication of that. The FBI has spoken to this, and of course, FAA is looking at that as well as they work to see exactly what was going on inside the files that were in the system leading to this irregularity. Again, what I would say is there's no direct indication of any kind of external or nefarious activity, but we're not yet prepared to rule that out. In other words, what he said was gobbledygook. Here's what, he, what, here's what he really said. I don't have an idea, no clue as to even what happened, let alone why it happened. Please, you're in news media. I was a mayor. I've never run a computer system. I don't have any idea. The folks that work there, they, they, they're the ones that are in charge. Why don't you talk to them? She asked him, How old is the software? Was it being updated? How long will it take to get it back up and running? Mayor Pete in wisdom said, It's been used for many years. It's based on a standard. Every country has a version of this global standard to get this safety message traffic through their aviation system. It is periodically and continuously upgraded and updated and What he should have said at the end of it was, in all honesty, Andrea, I don't have a clue. Why don't you let me send 
the number one lieutenant under me that is over operations to get that information. After all, I'm going to New York City today. They've chartered me a jet. Ooh, I'm going over there. That's what I do. I go around and talk to people. (laughs) Well, there is no question in my mind in the Biden administration, there are many people that just don't have it all together. Pete Buttigieg, he is in way over his head, and he doesn't have a clue about operating the FAA. And he's the transportation secretary. What the heck? Look, you know this. A manager, a big boss, the person that's overall, he's over everything in transportation from the government's perspective for the whole nation. He doesn't know everything, and honestly, he shouldn't know everything. He can't know everything. When I first got in management in the car business, that was back before the Internet. We didn't have online information about all the vehicles and what their ratings were in various areas like pickup trucks, what was their load capacity, none of that kind of stuff. And what colors of trim went together with what paint jobs on the different car and truck lines. We were a Ford Lincoln Mercury dealership. So we had these big books that came out, you know, with the uh, the foul separators in there for the different parts. And every different truck line, every different car line had a specific big book for it. And in our showroom, we had uh, a big desk that sat out and we had two or three different sets of all of this. And I mean, all of this, you talk about Lincoln Mercury. I'll just, I'll just tell you about that. In Lincoln lines, there were like five different lines back then And there was one book for every one of those in the line for the Lincoln Continental two-door and the four-door. And then you had the Mark line, the sports line, and it was the same thing there. You go over to Ford, it got more complicated. There was no way any salesman, salesperson could possibly know everything about every vehicle. But we had these books out there. Often, they would be working a customer on the car lot and they would come in and look at all the trim options and talk about the different engines and that kind of thing. And they would, I'd I'd watch that happen from my spot in the showroom and I'd look away or I'd go out of the showroom to do something else and I came back and that customer was gone. I'd call the salesman over and I'd say, well, tell me about what happened there. Are they interested? And he'd say, oh, yeah, I did this, I did this, yada, 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 but they wanted to go away. And I said, what were they looking at? Well, they were looking at, and he would tell me the car line or the truck line, and they wanted something specific, and I went to see if we had it, and I couldn't find it. Or I told them I'd get back with them with that information. And so I preached the next day in our early morning sales meeting, I preached to these guys, look, we don't expect you to know everything. There's no way you ever will. Not knowing about something doesn't mean you're stupid. How do people get stupid? It's when they don't know everything and they come up with a story and say this is a fact, this is the way it is, when they don't have an idea if that's what it is. 
if they don't go find the facts, that means they're stupid. So what do you do? When somebody's looking for something, you go over to those books, every car line, every truck line, and for Lincoln and Mercury is there with full descriptions of everything. You go into the index line and look at the little tabs that stick out, and if they want to know about the various engines, there's a tab for that. You pull it and open it up, and here's the information on the six-cylinder. Here's the information on the V8. You follow what I'm saying. Pete Buttigieg doesn't do that. He's fluff at the top, and that's about it. Absolutely about it. Half an hour to go. Wow. I, I got to be honest with you. The material that I have for this show, we're not even close to being halfway through. But let's do this. Let's go back down to the southern border. Why don't we do that? We're going to go here from Jean Perry. Oh, my gosh. Brain surgeon in media at the White House. She's into this southern border stuff. She's got her arms around it, as does the President of the United States. How do we know that? We're going to ask Jean Perry right after this. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 to the 10 10 Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10 10 10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. A divorce lawyer should be more than just a lawyer. Divorce is like no other experience, especially for guys. At Cordell and Cordell, our clients want a partner standing next to them. Someone they can trust. Someone who understands where they are and how to get them out. We are the attorneys of Cordell and Cordell. We are advisors and advocates for men before, during, and after divorce. We are Cordell and Cordell. A partner. Men can count. To schedule your appointment, give us a call or visit us online at CordellCordell.com. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yep, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Hey, I'm going to take executive privilege and change uh, the, the uh, context of what we're talking about here. Before we go to Jean Perry, something I think I definitely want to make sure you hear today. Byron Donalds, he is, as you know, I consider him 
a very, very vibrant contributor in the U.S. House of Representatives. He's serving his second term. He is uh, African-American, a former businessman from Florida, and he's got his stuff together. Yesterday, Byron Donald, representative, went on the Joy Reid show. Do you ever see or watch Joy Reid? She is a very arrogant uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if she went to Harvard, but she's Ivy League related. It's where she got her education, so she knows everything. And I mean, she pontificates about everything, and you cannot disagree with her when you're on her show. For some reason, Representative Donald decided to go visit with her. He got an invitation, and he went. And I want you to listen to how it went. Byron Donalds just continued yesterday. He had an all-star day. He went on the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. And not only did he go there, he went in right into the office with the chief crazy lady. He went to Joy Reid and they talked about everything. So we're going to show you a whole bunch of clips here and just watch, just watch this master class in professionalism, knowledge, candor, decency, communication, the whole freaking thing that Byron Donalds puts on, and then compare that to how Joy Reid behaves as a host. So I want to start by just talking about, in the previous uh, segment with Congressman Swalwell, we were just talking about the changes um, that are happening in the House under this new leadership. Three people, including Congressman Swalwell, Ilhan Omar, and Adam Schiff, have been take, are being taken off their committees. Mm-hmm. Those who are being added, um, Congressman Santos is the one who made up his whole resume, um, allegedly, in New York. Paul Gosar, whose family has said he's a white supremacist, you know, attended um, sort of meetings of white supremacy and got kicked off his committees because he tweeted out an anime of killing, depicting him killing uh, AOC, uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Marjorie Green. They're getting back on committees. I just wonder what you think of that. Do you think that that is a good look for the Republican Party? No, I think going back on committees is what should happen. Look, what we told Democrat leadership when they went down this this pathway of removing members from committee is basically saying you should not do that because if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Let's be very clear. Ilan Omar has said things that are reprehensible. To, to, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. She has said terrible things about about the Jewish community, so much so that resolutions had to go to the House floor about them, and they were watered down. With respect to Eric Swalwell and to uh, the other gentleman, that's something for Speaker McCarthy to speak to in more detail because he's going to make those decisions. But we were very clear in the 117th Congress. We should not be going down this pathway of saying, oh, that member said this, they got to be kicked off of committees. But that that's is happening. Not, no, 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 no. What we're not what we're doing is so you did it. So, so now this is what happens. This is the response. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to the status quo of you pick your committee people. We'll pick ours and we'll go from there. But, well, let me ask you this, because that isn't the, you're not getting back to that status quo. If you're kicking people off committees and you're saying it's literally for vengeance, you're now admitting it's just for revenge. That doesn't sound like getting back to the status quo. It sounds like using committee no, leadership no, no. for vengeance, but you that's wanna, what you just if said. If you want to change the rules, then we'll live by your rules. I don't think we should do that. But, but they're if you, doing But it. if you want to change the rules mm-hmm. that, the, that the House of Representatives has lived under mm-hmm. since the beginning of the republic, mm-hmm. and now you're going to change them because you didn't like what somebody said? I don't think with, that's with, a change with, in the with, rules. With, that's happened on, before. On. He knows exactly what he's talking about, and he's got receipts. 
And it's true, when they started doing this a couple of years ago, and Democrats started saying, we're gonna kick re certain Republicans off committees because we don't like this thing they said or that thing they said, everyone was saying it. I'm sure you can find videos of us talking about it on this show, right? Like everyone was saying it. Once you start this tit for tat thing, goose gander, this is exactly what's gonna happen. You know, I really like Dave Rubin. I like the way he addresses things. Um, we've had him, we've had him on, I guess, more than pretty much any other uh, of late, and it's because he's very topical. He um, he does things. He doesn't stretch it out. It's unnecessary. He's very. Um, I guess he he knows he needs to respect the people that are watching his videos listening to his audio bites like we bring you here. So he says a lot of things in a short period of time. But Joy Reid, she didn't have a chance with him. He's an equal, if if not even a, a superior, in going back and forth talking about ideals. I guess basically what that conversation boiled down to is Congressman Donald's made it very clear. You guys, Democrats, have been blowing people off committees for years. We're not going to blow people off, but we're going to send three to the bench that have been really bad at what they did. And we want to wait and see what you guys are going to do. If you're going to stop throwing people off committees for whatever reasons that you want Republicans off committees, which the House Speaker can do, we don't want to get there. We're not going to get there, but right now we're going to give you exactly what you gave us and if you will straighten up the process next time you're in control and we keep doing that from down from now on we'll be fine with doing that but until you do you're going to pay the price so during a recent news conference in defending the potential elimination of title 42 about illegal immigration at the southern border Corinne Jean-Pierre secretary press secretary insisted the border is not open and that spreading misinformation about the border could aid smugglers who ferry those migrants across the river into the U.S. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The border is not open. During her tenure as press secretary, she's developed a reputation for dopey utterances. That makes no sense. However, this one may take the cake. Jean-Pierre didn't explain how frank discussions about the situation at the border might aid criminal entities engaged in human trafficking. She didn't explain that, but talking about it, she said, could aid smugglers. She seemed to be asserting, absurdly, I guess, that alien smugglers are getting their information about the situation at the border from Fox News. Of course, anybody with any understanding of immigration issues knows the U.S.-Mexico border is currently controlled by smugglers, and the cartels are in charge of the smugglers that employ them. And even if that weren't the case, only an incompetent buffoon would believe that transnational criminal organizations are hanging out at their headquarters waiting for Peter Ducey, Fox News Peter Ducey, to tell them that the Department of Homeland Security is completely overwhelmed and the border is open. Those are facts, 
and they are patently obvious to anyone who sees the crowds massing along the banks of the Rio Grande. The reason Team Biden doesn't want to talk about the border is because it manufactured the current price, period. This is their crisis, 100%. Claims that the White House is taking border enforcement seriously are totally absurd. Unbelievable that anybody would claim that. Joe Biden has deliberately deconstructed our immigration enforcement and our border control mechanisms and did so in order to attract large numbers of migrants to the United States. The simple fact of the matter is that Biden administration favors an American with no borders, and just like the Obama administration before it, will attempt to force that policy upon the American public, regardless what the law says. Whether Americans want to live in a borderless world or not, one need only look at Biden's campaign website and his early statements on immigration to figure it out. Those criticized the Trump administration's lawful adherence to the Immigration and Nationality Act as drafted by Congress. One early White House release actually claimed that Biden's White House had a, quote, plan for safe, lawful, and orderly migration that would replace Trump's inhumane policies. In reality, to be honest, I guess they think we don't know, we don't look, we don't listen, we don't read. Biden immediately repealed as many of Trump's policies as possible and immediately provoked the largest, most devastating border crisis in our history. Nobody can credibly argue. There's absolutely nothing safe, nothing orderly, nothing lawful about anything currently going on down at the border. A record number of migrants have died along the way with Mexico on Joe Biden's watch. By some estimates, as many as 900. And those are just the untimely demises that we actually know about. There's no evidence of a humane immigration policy in this homeland security. None. Disorderly mobs of illegals have been rushing the border in blatant violation of our immigration laws. This looks and smells like an invasion rather than the lawful orderly migration fantasy that's peddled by Biden and his minions like Corinne Jean-Pierre. The number one boon to these coyotes that are doing all this trafficking has been this administration's complete failure to enforce the provisions of the Immigration and Nationality Act not any misinformation that smugglers have received from other parties. All along, it's been the Biden administration sending a clear message to anyone who wants to come here, get here, get here, and say the magic word, asylum. We'll let you in, and you'll be allowed to stay until we figure out a way around the laws that say you have no path to any valid lawful immigration status. In effect, what it is, it's open borders by executive fiat, if you will, DACA, without even the fig leaf on an unlawful executive order. So what's the end game? 
allow a massive number of illegals into the U.S., follow up with claims that we lack resources and the political will to deport them, and in any case it would be inhumane to do that, insist the only way to proceed is to declare an amnesty and start over again. Sooner or later, enough legislators who are squishy on immigration enforcement will cave and those in favor of mass migration will get the mass amnesty they've been angling for but haven't had the votes to secure. The assumption is that once they have followed their newly created path to citizenship, the amnestied are going to vote for politicians who favor a big government, globalist agenda, ensuring a progressive, anti-constitutionalist lock on our political leadership well into the future. That would be exactly opposite of what I told you my utopia is. Four years more for Donald Trump with Vice President Ron DeSantis and then eight years as DeSantis at the top of the White House heap. That would be 12 years of true conservative governing where we could get all of our stuff that's all out of whack in our government, get it back in order, get it back where it needs to be, where it was in large part, before Donald Trump was kicked to the curb. No, I don't like the way Donald Trump messages a lot of way he messages things. I don't. But far more good occurred than didn't, which is kind of unusual in most presidential administrations. Eight years of Barack Obama and Joe Biden at the top, I didn't see a lot of progress. Yeah, well, good stuff happened a little bit here and there along the way, but at the end of it, we weren't any better off than we were when he took the baton from Bush 43, George W. Bush. I'm just saying, folks, facts are facts. They don't want to accept those, do they? Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich, and you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusions apply. Limited time offer. I hit the wrong button there. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. I wanted you to hear the latest, the very latest on this gas stove conundrum. You know what I'm talking about? Biden administration's out there. They are talking about banning gas stoves. Uh, This beats, I I just can't believe I've, I've even, I'm even hearing this. Here's a little bit more about it. All right, I got one more for you. Senator Manchin, Joe Manchin, he's slamming the administration's plan to ban new gas stoves. In a statement, Manchin said, the federal government has no business telling American families how to cook their dinner. Yes, sir. Uh, the war on nat gas, there's another development on that. Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, has banned gas appliances and heating systems by 2028. 
That's New York State. Yeah, and if you didn't Go. get the sense from the way we're handling cars and gasoline versus electric, shocker, they want to ban all petroleum, gas, whatever it is. They want it gone. We had a chef on, Stuart, on my show, who basically said, we literally can't do our job in a restaurant without a gas stove. So there's that element of it. But also, Stuart, at the end of the day, with all the problems that we have in the country, where did gas stoves fall on your rundown? Pretty far below, you know, <laughs> yes. at the bottom. This is ridiculous. They're wasting time. And also the study that was the basis of this was funded by an environmental think tank. Precisely. Precisely. You know, it's, it's a bunch of... Lauren's shaking her head. Because the government itself just said oil and gas use will hit record highs in 2024. So we're using, they could do everything that they want to get us to go greener, but we're still going to use traditional sources of energy. Yes, we are. Demand will hit yeah. record highs, the government well, says, in well, how 2024. How do you create all this electricity that we're going Great to need? Point. Where's that coming from? And how many more areas of our life can, life can the government intrude on? They're literally now in our kitchen. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, they've been in the bedroom and the bathroom for quite <laughs> some time. Why not the kitchen? All right, you're going to stick around for yes, the full sir. hour. Good man. West Virginia... Senator Joe Manchin, when he heard that debacle about doing away with gas stoves, he just went absolutely crazy. People up north, they got to have either fuel oil or natural gas in the winter. You can't create, you can't generate enough electricity to run this nation 100% electricity. You can't do it. We don't have the infrastructure in place. And I don't see a way, and the experts, I'm not one, the experts, they all agree. We've got to pool all of our energy resources to run this nation, and that includes natural gas. And, of course, this administration, they made it very clear from the very beginning, they hate, they hate fossil fuels. They want it gone. They told us they were going to kill it. This president bragged about it. And they started pulling the plug. And I got to be honest with you, what he has done and what others have done on his instructions have put us in the position that we find ourselves in. Inflation out the roof. Our supply chain issues are still not figured out. Our grocery availability, along with the pricing of grocery, is through the roof. And there's no plans to fix any of it. And everything they say, oh, we'll be okay. We've just got to bear this for a while, but we're going to get back on top of it. The only way we'll get back on top of it is if we go back to open arms, to clean fossil fuel. Unless this administration embraces it, the next two years are going to be even worse than we've been through the first two years. Gosh, so many things I wanted to get into with you today, but, but I can't. I want to tell you about this. Democrats have refused to vote for a resolution that condemns violence against pro-life pregnancy centers, pro-life groups, and even pro-life churches. The resolution was passed by the Republican-controlled House, 222 to 209. It saw only three Democrats in support. Representatives Vicente Gonzalez, Democrat out of Texas, Chrissy Houlihan, a Democrat out of Pennsylvania, and Marie Perez, Democrat out of Washington. The House took up two pro-life measures yesterday. They passed both. House Committee Resolution 3 officially condemns these attacks 
and urges the Biden administration to appropriate law enforcement authorities to support their safety. Mike Johnson, he authored the resolution, said, following the leak and the issuance of the Dobbs decision, which is the overturn of Roe v. Wade, radical anti-life advocates defaced, vandalized, and caused destruction to over 100 pro-life facilities, groups, and churches. Since there's been zero accountability for the leaked opinion and ensuing violence, we're making the position of Congress crystal clear. Violence, property damage, and threats must be condemned. And these clear violations of federal and state laws must be prosecuted. Democrats went to the floor to speak out against it before voting began. Pro-abortion minority whip Catherine Clark, a Democrat out of Massachusetts, took to Twitter in an effort to screw up and obfuscate the issue, saying, while Democrats reject violence at every turn, Republicans amplify dangerous voices and are silent as abortion providers and patients face increased threats. Now, Democrats didn't seem to reject the violence faced by pro-life organizations, prompting Catholic vote to reply, what part of care center firebombed do you understand? One Democrat from Illinois, Representative Jan Schakowsky, she took to the floor to sing a similar tune as Clark saying, I am against all forms of violence, including violence against anyone of the majority of Americans who support abortion. Schakowsky argued the House should condemn violence generally, (laughs) generally, instead of just condemning violence as opposed to the dramatic increase in violence against pro-life centers since the leak of that Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization decision that overturned Roe v. Wade. We have to make sure that people who are pro-life and pro-people who support abortion rights and we support life are included in opposing violence, she said from the floor. Republicans got up, pointed to the nearly 80 documented attacks on crisis pregnancy centers, pro-life organizations and churches by far-left radicals since that opinion. Despite the lack of Democrat support, many Republicans and pro-life groups spoke in favor. Mike Collins from Georgia said, I'm unapologetically pro-life. All human beings have a right to life, including unborn children. I'm thrilled that in our first week, the new House majority has voted to protect the most innocent and defenseless among us. Jeannie Mancini, March for Life president, The March for Life is grateful to House Republicans for prioritizing common sense and compassionate pro-life bills in the new Congress. This includes a resolution that publicly condemns the rash of violent attacks against churches and pro-life organizations, which simply exist to support women in need who choose life, as well as legislation that protects babies born alive after failed abortions. We urge all legislators to vote in favor of these measures, which align with the values of the vast majority of Americans. I just couldn't believe it. All those, all those attacks on these pro-life pregnancy centers and even churches. 
Nobody comes out on the left to condemn them. They just don't do it. Why is that? Because they're leftists. They believe that killing a human being, if it's a baby, you know, where it's helpless, can't fight back, can't do anything about it, that's okay. I'll never understand it. I'll never reconcile that thought process in my mind. That's a wrap on Thursday. Did not hear from Taylor Halsey, Congressman Mike Johnson's assistant. Mike's probably going to be here tomorrow. Uh, Tell you what I'll do. When I get the call about it, I'll post at the front page of Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. I'll post the facts about Congressman Johnson coming. There's so much happening in D.C., you know that. You want to know everything going on, and he'll bring it to us. He's out there on the forefront. Have a great Thursday. See you tomorrow, 9 o'clock, right here.